Welcome to the First Draft Club, a podcast to help you write your book with joy, clarity, and maybe a few coffee stains. If you're working on a novel or a memoir, whether you haven't written creatively since seventh grade English or you have an MFA in creative writing, this podcast is for you. I'm here to help you fight through resistance and finish your draft. I'm Mary Atkins. You can find my novels when you read this and privilege at your favorite bookstore. If you live in Nashville, you might run into me at the local farmer's market on a Saturday morning. I'll be the one chasing the two-year-old who's just stolen the bell that signals the start of the market. That is a true story. Each episode, I pick a favorite question from my weekly word shop, not workshop, but word shop, with my course students to answer here for you. From how to write when you aren't inspired to how to get an agent, I'll share my tools and tactics for tackling questions that all authors face as we make our way to the final page. Each episode is short. We get in and get out of my closet, literally, which is where I am recording right now, so that you can get back to your life and your manuscript. Now let's finish your book joyfully. Dear Mary, can you talk a bit about backstory and how to integrate it? Some books I read seem to go off on tangents with all kinds of background information. And yet I've heard that it's important to strive for a tight storyline and to keep things moving along. I've been wrestling with what details to include at the beginning to set up the rest of my book without delaying the action. Any thoughts on this? Man, this is a struggle that I think all writers face maybe forever. If there's a writer out there who doesn't struggle with this balancing act, you're a unicorn. Please reach out. I would love to hear your secret. Um, I think that, yeah, that this this question of how to move a story forward through action while also giving the reader enough information about the characters to know why this action matters to them at all, why, why it has any stakes is – you know, a fundamental um, is a fundamental tension that we we have to deal with as writers. And so, in terms of how to do it well, I have a few thoughts. Yes, of course I do. I always have a few thoughts. <laughs> um, first of all, the answer is going to depend in part on what genre you're writing. So, a good friend of mine had me read his literary fiction novel. Uh, recently. And my response, one of my primary responses was to suggest that he cut a lot of the backstory at the beginning. And his response to that, to, to my comment, was that we differ on the definition of backstory. I think his exact words were, what you call backstory, I just call the story. Um, which was really interesting. His novel, again, was literary fiction, which is a genre in which Typically, the defining feature of the story is the prose itself more than, say, um, the plot. That's a generalization, but I think it's probably pretty true. So the, the background information could be considered part of the story in, in that novel in a way that I think it, it would be harder to make that case for, you know, say, a detective story or some some kind of thriller. If you're writing a thriller in which the primary appeal is that it's so suspenseful readers don't want to put it down, okay, well, that's different. In that case, you want to be more selective about how long it takes you to get into the action um, at the beginning of the book because that's really the primary 
the primary driver, the thing that's um, that's making this book what it is. If you're writing memoir, I think um, it can be especially tempting to unload a lot of backstory, a lot of background at the beginning of the book because you're thinking, well, they need to know everything about me, right? For, for them to understand why this thing was so seminal in my life, they really need to understand my childhood. Okay, I, I will say that while I am um, tend to be a, a skeptic of writing rules in general, I think a good rule of thumb for writing memoir is that you want to start in the action and you probably want to start in adulthood usually. And I, I learned this kind of, I was going to say the hard way, but it wasn't the hard way. It was just, I learned it myself um, firsthand years ago when I was trying to sell a memoir. I heard this over and over again from agents. Don't start your book in childhood. And definitely don't start it, you know, the day you were born or whatever. You know, it, it's not a memoir is not a biography. Like you are not Abraham Lincoln. <laughs> um, and even those should probably not start like the day that the subject was born. It's just think about how you feel if the first sentence you read is the day that that so-and-so was born. I mean, unless it's a great sentence <laughs> um, and, you know, it's going to it's going to jump forward in time. I, you know, odds are your heart sinks because you think oh, this is going to be a long journey <laughs> if we're going to get through the toddler years in the, in the first few chapters. Now, if you are writing a memoir and you begin in childhood, please don't freak out right now. All rules can be broken, but I am just warning you that you're probably going to hear this too at some point when you try to sell the book. And so it may be worth asking is there a way to integrate the childhood stuff into the present day story so that there's not a massive chunk of it dumped at the beginning that's just straight childhood material? Okay, this brings me to the main point that I want to make in this episode, which is that I think that regardless of genre, if we are talking about readability and reader engagement, like the, the you know, I can't put it down, I don't want to put it down factor, which all books want to accomplish, all of us want to accomplish in our books, regardless of genre, regardless of what kind of fiction they are, regardless of whether they are fiction or memoir. I think a simple rule of thumb for backstory across the board can be helpful. And that rule is this. If what you're sharing is background or material from the past, does it feel in real time to the reader? Okay. Can the reader be transported by it? Is it in scene form? Or is it a summary from a more distant point of view, more of a, of a bird's eye view with a kind of, here's the gist of what you need to know from the future tone? Now, these are just, neither is right or wrong, but they're two different kinds of backstory. And I'm going to call the first form of it scene backstory where the, the reader is transported, the, the, the backstory, the background is given in scene, carrying the reader along. And then I'm going to call the second summation backstory, where it's just, you know, a, a summary of the, the key points from the past that the reader needs to know. I'm making this distinction because you will treat these two different kinds of backstory differently. If it's scene backstory, you can get away with a lot more. You could have whole chapters of backstory. My friend who I mentioned a moment ago, he had 
a whole section of his book was was what I was calling backstory and he was calling the story. But the point is, it happened in the past. And the reason that he could even get away with that much of it is because it was in scene. You were transported by it. You know, you you could picture it. Um, when I, when I say in scene, what do I mean? I mean it's it's in uh, it's in the moment such that dialogue is included. We're listening to what characters are saying. We can picture it. There's scenery described. There's an environment there. Um, it's not just, you know, uh, I, I. it's not just describing a period of 10 or 20 years in a sentence. It's describing a, a few hours of an afternoon in, you know, 40 sentences. So, so that's really the difference between scene and summation. Okay, so if it's scene backstory, you can have whole chapters, you could have whole sections of a book even. But if it's summation backstory, again, summarization from up like a bird's eye view, it's going to be woven into the action. That's how that's done. And and I think you're going to want to limit that to about two pages or about 500 words before you get back into the meat of the story. Here's why I say this. For summation backstory, Something is happening in the present world of your book, and then boom, we have relevant background for one to three paragraphs, but then we're brought right back into the action. If that relevant background, if that little chunk goes on for too long, if the reader is pulled from the scene to be fed information, that's like the literary equivalent of vitamins, they're only going to tolerate it for so long. So if you're thinking, oh my gosh, are you suggesting the reader's going to skip ahead? Yep, that is exactly what I'm suggesting. You know it. I know it. We've all done it. If we get bored, we skip ahead, okay? Or maybe you don't. Maybe I'm the only person who does that, (laughs) okay? But I definitely do that. And the irony, of course, is that the part that the reader is skipping is the part you so desperately wanted them to know about that you tried to cram it into their brains in in this summary that went on too long. So you don't want to do that. Now, let me be clear. You you can absolutely get away with some of this, like a paragraph here and there, a couple of paragraphs. That's expected and lovely, and the reader will enjoy it and appreciate it because it is providing the, you know, it's vitamins, right? We need vitamins. It's providing the necessary information for them to understand the meaning of this story in context. It's essential context. So the problem isn't including summation backstory. It's the overkill that's the problem. What's the saying that uh, um, fish and guests stink in three days? So does summary backstory. (laughs) After three paragraphs, summary backstory starts to stink. I am saying all of this, by the way, to myself included, because I keep pushing this limit. I love backstory. I have a tendency to load up my first drafts with a ton of background in chapter one. And every time I do it, everybody, my writing group, my editor, my agent has the same reaction and I know they're going to have it and they do, (laughs) Um, which is you need to cut some of this. In the book I'm writing now, I really wanted to keep um, to keep the the backstory in. And so I, I wrote it in scene. I wrote it so that it was transporting. And I think this is why it made it about a year before my editor a few weeks ago finally said, okay, we're going to cut that. We should probably cut this. Um, and I ultimately agreed. But, I, you know, just because you cut something doesn't mean it wasn't um, a good exercise for you in discovering 
um, and discovering who the characters were. And and cutting, to be clear, doesn't mean that none of it goes in, right? Like, it just means instead of it being um, a massive portion of your book at the beginning or or somewhere else, you just take little bits of it and drip them throughout. So it's just more inter interwoven. So cutting it doesn't mean you have to lose all of it. It just means you're repurposing it and being more selective about what goes in. So in sum, I think you have a, a few choices here. Um, you can weave backstory into the action through discrete paragraphs as summary backstory, like summering the past when it's relevant to the thing that's happening in the present world of your book. Or you can have more extended kind of flashbacks or sections that take place in the past as long as they are in scene so that it feels present to the reader and they're transported by it. When we're transported by it, we're a lot less likely to want to just blaze ahead and skip over um, skip over all the all the necessary stuff that we don't find as entertaining and engaging. If you want to keep this conversation going, by the way, I have an upcoming one-day workshop on September 15th called Bringing in Backstory on this very topic, and we're going to dive deeper into a discussion of it and look at some examples of um, it in contemporary fiction that I think are done really well. So if you want to sign up for this one-day workshop, go to maryadkinswriter.com, that's Adkins with a D, and just click on workshops and you will see it there. Thanks for listening to the First Draft Club. Subscribe and leave a review and I will adore you forever. And if you want to submit your own questions and attend these sessions live, you can join our community of authors by going to maryadkinswriter.com. That's Adkins with a D, like donut. And if you want to attend my free masterclass on how to finish your book in five simple steps, just go to maryadkinswriter.com slash masterclass. That's maryadkinswriter.com slash masterclass, and you can watch it instantly. Happy writing. See you next week.